Access Flash. Hello, you're so much. Two Drive. This week is an episode, a bonus episode actually, on uh, Gridman and Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, the Ameritoku kind of uh, reutilization of it. But uh, with me is Steph. Hey, Steph. Kip, how's tricks? Uh, pretty good. How's tricks? I like that. <laughs> Damn, feeling cool over here. Like, I'm like, let like, scam you. some people, yes. throw some dice on the wall. Yes. We, wa- we wanted to like catch up a little bit because there's like a the fourth Gridman property is currently airing, so we wanted to like throw this in like a little more bonusy to uh catch up and be able to talk on that news because we um have just talked about Ultraman and uh these next two shows are kind of like in that field. Then there's like this anime coming, so you're like probably seeing this like midweek, not like a normal time, but uh yeah, but like even so, um not been two weeks, but like has anything like happened? Uh, anything new back home, Steph? Or anything? Um, I, I can't say that, that <laughs> I can't say that I've been doing a whole lot except for the fact that it's pretty much early summer here in Texas. Uh, so we have been working a lot in the yard and garden. Um, we are growing some nice fruits and veggies. Um, but I have to say, watching the shows this week, Matthew Lawrence, I have so much to say. Much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. To say vis-a-vis like these shows when we get to that, but just there's so much. Um, yeah. So I wish I had something more interesting to say that you know, like I had played an interesting game or or watched an interesting show. But um, yeah, watching a lot of Netflix reruns because most of my time literally has been spent in the yard, and um, unfortunately that has been making me feel. I would love to say my age, but it's actually actually at this point twice my age. Um, so. Now I understand why my parents would groan when they stood up out of their seats because I'm I'm just about there and yeah. I can't I can't even make fun of them like with any uh, non hypocrisy anymore. It's it's gotten bad. Is there like one thing that like you're growing that like you're like I'm so excited for like our peppers or our corn or something? Yeah, yeah we actually. I I hate to say this because it 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 was a joke to me, but yes, we are actually growing corn by the fence. Um, and my whole thing was, uh, Texas has been moving towards legalization, like slowly but surely. So my whole thing was going to be, I was going to start growing pot next to the corn, and that way, when my neighbors were nosy and poked their heads over the fence and were like, "What the hell is that?" I could just look at him and be like, it's corn, you fucking idiot. And just completely ignore the fact that I was growing pot. So I'm really hoping that that legalization happens soon because I really, really want to have that joke. Um, no matter how stupid it is, I'm completely prepared for it. Like, dad jokes ahoy, I am on board 100%. Because yeah. back in the day, like people did not care about like hard drugs. Like There's that like song, like... um jimmy crack corn i don't care and it's like now people are like so nosy and like want to be involved with, like, exactly all, all and it's like jimmy smoked crack and i don't care exactly i'm with it no um i that sounds nice that like also like uh it's definitely one of those things where like uh, we were talking before the show about like podcasting and like there's just like some things like th- that you hear someone do and you're like oh must be so nice to like reap the rewards of that i'm so glad that i have no connection to the work involved but i could just like look at what you have (laughs) after and be like it would be so easy to get that why don't i have that exactly yeah and um i've even started uh, this is gonna sound bad i've started clearing out our shed because that's where i intend to dry my pot when it's legal here once again we still have several steps to go in Texas before that's even a thing, but I am 100% on board prepared. Um, and it's not even because I want to sell it because I don't, this is 100% for me. Um, but I am making all the accommodations I can because I think this is an important thing to do. I 
have never not been around that makes sense um i definitely had like a lot of like stoner family members like it's like the kind of thing where like <laughs> not great thing but there's definitely some stuff that like i'm like nostalgic for that like other people are like why are you nostalgic at like a house party and i was like oh like that incense <laughs> is like real good it like brings me back you know exactly yeah i'm with you i can't think of anything really like going on really in my life i guess oh um the one that I told you, but um, I did finish um, DMing a Monster of the Week game that I started the same week that this podcast That's started right. as well. Yeah. How, what kind of monsters did you have? Like, I've only ever um, actually gotten to a secondhand experience one Monster of the Week game. So how was yours? Like, how did you play that out? I know there's a lot of, I, I actually got the DM guide for that. I never actually got to run a game, but I know there's a lot to it. So how did you play yours out? It was very long term, um, longer term than I think it should have been, but like uh, just working a lot and this and that, like it definitely like I wanted to play the game very open. And I think later on I had to re-rein it in a little bit. But okay, I've been giving players too much choice, not enough structure. But we did. Um, <laughs> it was very like um, me saying here are here are the themes and what you interact with is going to interact with like those themes. And the main thing was um, the way people kind of. Um, <coughs> make contracts to take away responsibility for their actions. So there right. was lots of monsters or people or organizations that were engaged in some heinous things and like in ways like trying to like simplify the mystical world to fit with their structures, but also using their own like structure, their own like bureaucracy to kind of not feel bad about it. Like, okay, we made a contract to hire this demon queen to kill this group of people because we had to and like we're kind of like covered by like what's going on and it got very like massive at scale too which is like fun but also whatever comes next will be a shorter thing i think like a lot of short things and like maybe something more managed that that's understandable i i feel like um i mean dnd is already a a game that lends itself to a lot of creativity and a lot of like jumping down rabbit holes i i feel like monster of the week was quite literally created to make a DM's life hell. I, I <laughs> just from everything that I've read and for, from what I've experienced, like from other people's uh, stories about the game, like that, that's just a next level on um, really torturing the person running your game. Yes and no, I think. Um, no, because I couldn't DM DD, I don't think. Like, I just don't want to organize and prepare that much stuff. Like, I like how there's a certain vagueness or flu to what happens. Like, I can just prepare this. But yes, from the perspective of um, that was definitely our problem at times, like where I was like, okay, you can do anything as long as you can do it. And that's super cool. Like that, hey, you could totally do this spell or like make this bomb or take this action. However, let's see how well you do it with the role, but also to what degree can you do it with your body and your like ability and like tools, you know? So like there were plenty of cases where like someone succeeded at doing something, but they were trying to do more than they could do. So it's like a game of like very interesting interactions like that. Cause it's not crunchy the same way, but mm-hmm. yeah, like it does definitely frustrate you. Like sometimes to be like, well, like I welcomed it and that's probably in another playing of it. I'd welcome it with some experience where like it didn't make things go longer, but like there was stuff like a character um, accidentally time traveled um but without leaving the place they were and made eight like made 18 clones of themselves that were all oh concurrently goodness. living but from different <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds like an experience or like a character accidentally made themselves the villain of of the whole campaign about like a quarter of the way <laughs> and when we and that had too big figured out how to yeah. role play that but sounds yeah. like they gave you a run for your money for sure it's really fun. Um, I'd love to be a player in it or like do something small fit. that's like smaller scale, like both like in the world and in how much it's played. So that's like a you probably like do, honestly. Yeah, for sure. If anybody wants to DM me and Kip trying to absolutely wreck your Monster of the Week campaign, let us know. This feels like a rude question, but how much outside of the D&D realm you venture when you play? Because like you mentioned, like how you felt about monster of the week but i'm definitely like a little bit like not as much as like some people like maybe like one foot in the like weird game space and even then like it's not 
that strong like i like play lots of stuff like uh here's this game about like um making a community and drawing from a deck of cards to like establish the challenges <laughs> that community faces over like the course of a year i'll be completely honest it was only like maybe two or three years ago i even got into dnd um and that was because of various different like actual plays i was listening to uh so <laughs> i thought you were gonna say covid and then i remembered it hasn't been three years. <laughs> feels like it though um no outside of that i've played uh one i can't even say a whole i've played a couple of rounds of a pathfinder game before the dm ended up having to leave us behind for you know his own whatever he had going on in his life so his other family yeah his other family the one that counts um yeah so i've played dnd and a couple of rounds of pathfinder and that's quite literally it for my tabletop experience but um ever since i got into dnd like all of a sudden it turned into this thing where i like became a monster and now i want to play all the things like i want to experience creating a character and you know kind of getting into all these aspects of tabletops um which is weird because i held myself back from it for so long because it kind of felt like that was the um last bastion of being a nerd i guess (laughs) and i I wasn't quite ready to commit yet but i'm at a point in my life now where i'm like hell yeah bring out all the nerd things i'm down for it i like i don't even care anymore i i don't care what people think about me i want to i want to play yeah (laughs) your fucks lessened around the same times as like the gates were blown open because like it's there's so much like role-playing now and even just like in like how popular like the field's gotten and like with D, like it's the most like popular one of course but um like it's impossible to like fully gatekeep it the way like it might have been back in the day a little bit you know yeah but i mean i have uh, met a lot of people who have been playing it since like the very first generation and they will 100 percent still find a way to gatekeep but <laughs> i feel like it's less um Obstructive a smaller percentage than it I might guess. have been before. Yeah, because you're at a point now where you're like, if you have somebody that is um gatekeeping from excuse me, the very first game and you're like, sit down, nerd. Like, it's fine. Like everybody's playing this now. You you can't be the cool guy anymore. We're all on the same level. The way you like a lot of like improv stuff too, I think like looking at stuff like Power by the Apocalypse or like Force in the Dark games might really actually like it's very daunting to play them after playing D and that kind of stuff like that might be like right up your alley as far as like oh my ability is that i can do anything that i can do like it's a very different thing but like that new school of like role-playing game design i think is very cool for that kind of stuff like how open. yeah and i honestly feel like um a lot of stuff like that i would get a kick out of because um i i no matter how much i've played i still always 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 feel like a newbie when it comes to anything tabletop related um a lot of the inspiration that i've taken has been from um if you've ever watched dimension 20 or like listen to nadpod emily axford she can quite literally take any um any character design any role any class anything and flavor it in a way that is so just ridiculously overpowered. Like she can take a plain bard and make it the coolest bard that you've ever seen. Um, and I have really, really tried to um, learn from the way that she does things and try and just, even if it's something that's completely boring, just like, how can I play this? Like she played a bard that played a fucking bass guitar. And like that was her whole thing was despite the fact that she's a bard, which is supposed to be, you know, kind of one of the goody goody players of 5e and, you know, made it to this like badass, wasn't going to listen to her parents, wasn't going to, you know, take any shit from anybody kind of attitude. And so now every time that I think about playing a class, I'm like, how can I do this in a way that is different from how it's usually played? Um, Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of room for kind of, like playfulness and improvisation there but i think you have to have a like the willingness to want to put that much thought into also mm-hmm. no and like i don't think like it definitely does happen in those kind of systems but like i um really do appreciate like the new school and like the way that like there are like some like actual play podcasts and stuff like um, i'm like a big fan of like friends at the table and that's like um not really a comedy <laughs> it's not as accessible as other actual play but they make a big 
like what about about like playing different things that challenge them in different ways and like a lot of stuff was like maybe that might be too complicated for like the average person to play just because like they're this long-term like group but um Mm -hmm. yeah like i think um playing those different styles is almost like uh, when like you hear people talking about like oh i like played like jazz piano for the first time like after playing like classical my whole life like that you know it's just very different kind of like activity yeah and that definitely adds something to it because i think that um there's something that's that uh comes with tabletop gaming that it has a really big tendency to if you're not careful with it become kind of stale and become kind of set in its ways so it's really nice whenever you get people that kind of think outside the box and try to um, reflavor things in a way that is still true to the intent, but maybe isn't as um, straightforward as you would expect. Does the rest of your house like to play like role playing or like improv stuff like or no? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, I got my, uh, one of my best friends set up a, um, a campaign to play the Stranger Things module with my daughter and I, and we did that with a couple of her other friends and really enjoyed that. My wife, on the other hand, could care less about anything that has to do with, like, gaming in general. I, like, I keep trying to get her into, like, anything, even, like, PS4 stuff, and, you know, she'll humor me a little bit, but with tabletop gaming, she's just like, no, absolutely not. So I, I'm very much on my own in that respect. Maybe I'll still send you this, but there's this game and um, I'm just going to read this. In order to play this game, the following materials are required. The face cards from a standard deck of cards, an amount of money suitable to order enough delivery pizza for the assembled group and leave a sizable. T- That's all you need to like start playing. It's like one of my uh, my favorite, very light games called Pizza Heroes, where basically what you do is you take the face cards from a deck and you like draw them as you try to narrate the journey of your pizza delivery driver and oh, you play nice. it until your pizza gets there and like it's like oh um the ace of hearts it seems you're not the only person delivering pizza are they your friend or are they from like a rival chain what makes like them like what makes their style different what do you envy about them and it's like all about just like playing for 40 minutes or whatever that like it takes for, like and like just like being super guided and like it's like Make it any genre you want, you know? Uh, that actually that sounds like a blast, and I think I could talk them into that, if we're, especially if we're waiting for food, because that seems to be what we do 90% of the time, so. I um, definitely mean to, now that I'm, like, more free, like, run more games, so, like, we should totally, like, try something. Hell yeah, I'd be into that. Speaking of into things, uh, let's go into the internet. Not like we already are, but physically. This is very... Like, get into the cyber world. And... If you're listening to this podcast right now, just scream out, let's cyber. <laughs> we'll get there. And absolutely ignore anybody who gives you a sideways look because yeah. they don't know what they're doing. back and this week we looked at uh the first two episodes of both Gridman or uh denko chojin Gridman and superhuman samurai cyber school and yeah so steph uh what do you think about these shows my very first note for both of them was how is it that these shows always have such inspiring theme songs like and it isn't just this show and I, I feel like it's just about every show that you've introduced me to like every time i hear the theme song and i start to read the uh english subs for it i'm just like hell yeah i want to go out and like i don't know punch a cow or something like i'm all for it i'm ready to to, to take over the world it's amazing a couple of years ago um like i was like in this like conversation um with some friends about how um ramona was like a name in a love song that there wasn't a bad song about and um it kind of feels like songs that are like heavy in the dan dan from like the japanese songs like from like i'm um, like this song to like the dragon ball like gt opening are just like absolute like bangers and i like, can't do wrong just like what a great opening! it's like Absolutely. so energetic yes it does kind of fall in the trap though of like um making a song about like fighting evil but also like making out too where it's like baby let's go higher and like all this stuff you know 
Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a, with songs like this, you have to almost choose your battles. You could interpret it as something that's very inspiring. And yeah, you want to go out and punch the bad guy. But, you know, you also might want to kiss the girl after you get done punching the bad guy. Like, there's a very um, thin line with uh, how you want to spend your time with these shows, I think. Yeah. Um, there's also like a line. Um, so Gridman is made by the same company that makes Ultraman, like Subaraya. Um, It's like made in this gap. It like comes out just before or right around the same time as Ultraman Tiga. So it's like right before they relaunch Ultraman. This is like their entry. And um, it runs for 39 for 39 episodes the show that adapts it runs for 53 somehow which is actually kind of impressive but um yeah gridman is a very interesting show because like it's important but it never got a sequel but it like got like some weird photo shoots for things they wanted to do in a sequel to it got like an adaption to it got like an anime sequel in like 2018 (laughs) probably super popular it's a very weird show yeah i can definitely see that but there was um the way that they formatted it was, I felt like it it was very fitting for the time that, um, and actually several of my notes come down to um, when they're looking at computer screens and you can see like kind of those uh, old game callbacks to like, uh, you know, messing with the, um, like the strengths and weaknesses, like, mm-hmm. you know, you give this much to constitution give this much to dexterity like it was very much um formatted around a lot of the um precursors to you know what we play with like D and stuff now it, a lot of it was very much focused on the older game archetypes where you had to create a character and you had to you know just do the best you could with like min maxing stacks and hoping that you were creating the best character. And I kind of feel like a lot of that carried over into these where it was like, okay, we're going to make a superhero the best way we know how to, and kind of like push all the bars to the right, the best way that we think are going to, you know, serve what we needed to serve. With Powered by the Apocalypse, which is like what monster that was based on of like, uh, it's pretty easy to make like your own hack. And like, I was like, like actually thinking like watching this, you can just make those stats and make moves that match them and make like a pretty easy gridman hack of the game. A like fun like after doing almost like just yeah, it's very yeah, like cool that. like that. Yeah. Something too is I think it's so of its time that it's kind of evergreen and like more relevant. Like the way it represented the internet as a physical space honestly came back around to being relevant into kind of how we engage with the internet. Like it is kind of like our skyline. Like it is like a socialized space and it has become a space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And actually um, they had a lot of, I don't, and I still don't even know if they intentionally did this or not. They probably did. uh, And I might just be not, but one of my favorite things was the fact that they made so many jokes around the fact that they kept calling their computer just junk. Um, And my favorite takeaway line from the whole thing, um, Gridman's power and energy is connected to junk. And I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. They need to have like some kind of limit, but also like that is like such an eternal like feeling to of like, uh, how am I going to like accomplish anything? My camera is shitty. My like microphone shitty. Like, right. I'm connected to junk. <laughs> yeah. Like my like Wi-Fi is terrible. How am I going to make like, like anything happen? Like, it's also like, it's actually rather rare that a Toku show has like a cast that's all kids like this like and like it's just like oh it's a lot of fun that they're just like 13 or 14 and they're like well I guess we gotta like save the like cops or whatever or like hospital and like they don't have like a weird mentor like they're just like hey here's this dude from like another dimension and we got this mm. computer let's go fight <laughs> let's go do stuff I think that the only way, at least in the um, Japanese version, definitely not in the American version, but I think the way that they saved that storyline was the fact that his little brother had gotten sick. So it kind of like gave him this motivation in the American version. Eh, not so much. I mean, he was in love with a girl that fucking happens in every show. That's That was uh, kind of hit or miss for me. But definitely in the Japanese version, I could that they at least gave him something to you know hold on to and become part of this world with i was kind of frustrated honestly uh by uh the 
way the wiki actually works for this kind of stuff because um i was trying to find out more about like the main character like naito and just like hey um can i learn the top level what do people say like is a like he's about and what's important like more about like his personality because it was like i was like getting a read but i also wanted to like what is the top level fans wrote in kind of thing and it it, mm-hmm. it it just wasn't there like there was no hot-headed and known to like do this but actually really likes like cats or something you know like right it sucks because um this came up a weeks ago on like twitter where like somebody was like talking about uh in my favorite toku show the common writer like fies um there's like pages of information on the wiki about like um the parts of the eye and like the lens of the eye has its own name like a photon lens or something and like it has like these stats and it's meant for doing this and like none of this actually shows up in the show it's just like oh it's part of like the like suit you know right but like in the guidebooks it's like i could take twenty thousand square inches of like or like square pounds of like pressure per inch or something and then like the person uh compared it to a page for <laughs> the female main character of the show that like had her name <laughs> and like <laughs> so, like vague details like no story beats no character beats and it was like oh like that's the kind of thing where i was like so i'm gonna go off a little bit on like the toku fandom i guess but uh <laughs> this is not i'm here for it a major this is becoming less of a problem and I think it's the kind of thing where if you feel offended by this, you should. But I think a lot of people would understand what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot more people in the Toku fandom who, like, aren't this way, who are, like, more accepting of, like, certain things and, like, more open and, like, more mature in, in their fandom. But uh, <clears throat> so much of, like, the understanding of, like, what Toku is, like, and, like, what series are, what they're doing seems to be so undocumented like nothing more than like a female character's like name um but like every part of like the guidebook said about like this one suit and like it's speaks to like a larger problem about like um the way people like try to avoid a critical relationship with their fandom because like it's like a kind of like willful ignorance but also like defensiveness like there are lots of people who are um who like to keep toku stuck in like a mid-2000s like anime place where it's like this is cool. Um, this Toku show recontextualized something I like or enjoy from something I liked earlier in life. Or like, um, it's cool that it's doing something that I enjoy, but I can't be ridiculed. I can't be laughed at like I was in middle school. Like I can't be childish. Therefore, this thing needs to be mature. It cannot be disrespected. And also, kids shouldn't be even though it's like mostly shows are aimed for kids. That's like not a bad thing. Aim for kids just means it is like not just for kids. It's like kids are not excluded by the subject matter. I can still understand. Like, There's a lot of like cool, mature work that is kid accessible, you know? I feel like in this 100% isn't you. This is, you know, me uh, feeling like an outsider for I think that anytime you put that much pressure on any fandom, you're 100% setting yourself up for disappointment because nobody is able to achieve all of those hit points. It's like, it just isn't possible. And I'm not just talking about Toku. I'm literally talking about any type of um, storytelling or any type of type of artistic medium that you're thinking about, whether it be music, whether it be movies, whether it be TV shows, like whatever you do, you I feel like everybody who is a media consumer has these, you know, list of points that would make something the perfect piece of media. It's not possible for anybody to hit those and still have a successful product. It just isn't. Um, so while I completely understand what you're saying, and to a certain degree, I get it because a lot of those would be similar points for me. Like, there isn't really a way for that to realistically happen. No, um... That's what I'm saying. Like, um, my issue is that there are people in the fandom that kind of like do this weird song and dance of like being protective and having like self identity in something and like being toxic towards like being honest about like, hey, like this isn't like trying to be high art. This isn't trying to be like this like really small novel. Like, like this is like a media product that is meant to like be open to children. And like a lot of people oh, get really. Okay. I- I, I yeah, I'm sorry. I then I misunderstood what you were saying, so that was completely my fault. That it happens a lot where it's like I think we're both making the same point, but like missed like a turn, which rather yeah, 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 yeah. 
but like there are people that look like it like so like like i like seeing like some cool shit sometimes but i love the way that this is like a cool robot man and he like did a cool punch but like it's also good to know like yeah that's fine but like <laughs> my issue with the toku fandom is like people get like really protective about like um please treat this as mature and important but also don't think about it critically write about it critically offer any critique or anything beyond like pure like, adoration but like don't mess with my nostalgia about this really big important thing that's has nothing to do with childhood <laughs> you know it's like that's you can't square that circle you know like you can't say this is important to me and like connects to things from across my life but also don't have any like weird view on it right and i i feel like maybe that's even funnier to me now because my limited experience with anything to do with uh toku comes from um you know as i've said multiple times before my brother and i used to watch the original power rangers um so yeah there's still a part of me to this day that would be like yeah that's that's the power rangers right there that's that's what the power rangers yeah. were meant to be but if i watched it like now as a pushing 40 year old woman a lot of it i'd just be like this is the cheesiest fucking thing i've ever watched in my life how did i ever enjoy this because i'm watching it from a different lens and i think that that's something that people who consume any media it's not just toku i'm not i'm absolutely not picking on any one group of people but i feel like you you kind of get into this rut like um this is what i enjoyed when i was 10 years old or 12 years old or 16 years old or whatever your situation is um so you don't realize that once you get past a certain age once you get past that point of everything being innocent a lot of that shit that you used to watch was kind of garbage. Well, also, like, even, like, the quality notwithstanding, like, just, like, leave, like, a high school, middle school narrative of, like, I cannot be assailed in what I like. It cannot, like, it has to be limited in some way or, like, can't be looked at. Like, a lot of, like, what I don't like about, like, the broader Toku like community is, like, being just so, like, allergic to, like, hey, let's talk about this in like a like mature critical way, but let's also say, yeah, this is like children's media. Like there are two equal truths. Like you have to be open to like, hey, what is being said here about like this important issue and themes? That's like, and also they're doing it in a way that's like introducing new toy swords, you know? Exactly. And I feel like uh, I'm going to kind of present this point of view as someone who is very new to this whole subculture. And, you know, I've definitely enjoyed it. I, I'm not, you know, basing any complaints. I'm not, you know, criticizing anything. What I'm trying to say is I, I'm kind of relating this to my own experience and, and, you know, take it or leave it. But I am someone who grew up watching Saved by the Bell, of all things. Get That's come on- up a lot. Get on HBO Max right now and watch Saved by the Bell and see how fucking problematic it is. No, totally. I mean, from top to bottom, that show has so many fucking issues with race, you know, uh, gender relations, like anything you can fucking think of. That show has all of the issues. But if you're coming at it like I was from someone who watched it when they were a preteen and teenager and, you know, that was something that I you know 100% my thought my high school experience was going to be same thing with toku same thing with anybody who has grown up with a certain standard of their media and what they thought that their life was going to be centered around so that has given me a lot of uh sympathy for other people like people who watch friends and thought that their life was going to be friends when they were adults or sex in the city or any of these other shows that you know now we recognize are extremely problematic. I believe it's called Cyber at the City, actually, because they want to be able to hip yes. young teens. Yeah, that's what we're going to do from now on. Like us. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, there, there isn't, you can't pick on a group of people for the show that they watched that they thought that their life was going to be like. Because all of us had something that we thought was realistic, and my God, thank God it isn't. And, like, just... Don't worry about if something you like could be like assailed. Like, yeah, because literally anything something. anybody likes can be assailed and should be. That's 
that's media. We should be able to criticize all of it. Something that like I could say about Toku and also anime that happens is like you get people that are like, well, this blackface isn't racist because Japanese people are doing it. It's like, yeah, it, it's no. super fuck it is. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and the people who did it should have repercussions. Sorry. Oh, and like, it's like, like me saying, hey, this is fucked up to the way somebody maybe that has like a real issue in a plotline happened. Like, hey, like I really love the way that this show like delved into these themes that might be beyond what the core audience might understand and like has like a cool essay or stuff on it but also it's for kids but also it's fucked up like like these could all happen and like i feel like like the problem that like, the crossroads where i see like from tokyo getting bigger is like the wider fandom accepting that like you can criticize it it can be for children but also that doesn't mean it can't have like exactly. its own life you know yeah and you have to realize that all creators make mistakes because they create in their time period. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. Like they're literally representing the time that they created in. That doesn't mean that it's above reproach ever. And I mean you can look at a lot of the um the classics as far as like literature or great cinema go. I mean fucking um Gone with the Wind, one of the highest earning movies and books that has ever been created, one of the most award winning. A lot of fucking problematic shit in that. And I can say that as someone who is a big fan of both. But there are a lot of things that can and should be criticized in that. And I feel like that's the same for all media. Like, if you are creating artwork, you should be prepared for the fact that it is going to be criticized for the time period that it is in and in the future. But that's quite literally what artwork is for. No, and I think like, like just like being like a simmering genre of stuff, I think this is like all just very much like what Toku's at is like, oh, fuck, there's going to be some discourse and I'm here for uh, it, but uh, yeah. And there should be. I mean, honestly, there should be for any medium, uh, to Toku included. I mean, it it is a very brilliant form of media, but that doesn't mean it's above reproach. And I don't think anything should be. So something cool about revisiting Gridman is that I don't think a lot of people are doing that in like the same way we are where like we're talking about it like that same way like it's like available and i'm sure like there's like fans especially like in japan or like from that from that american show that are like now watching like these videos like have views on like youtube and stuff like when like people like upload stuff there but um why i got frustrated by the wiki was like i wanted to have some more context for like the wider show and like stuff because like i was having like some critical thoughts about and um, so looking at stuff like Freud and Young, I'm going to say right now, I don't identify with and I think is a lot of horseshit used by reprehensible people. But when you're like critically analyzing media, I think that psychoanalysis and like analytical psychology are actually useful tools in ways they might not be for people or culture is what I'll say. Um, and I really got like a lot of like... um vibes from um like the works of like robert moore who's like a Jungian writer who has this like one book called facing the Dream. and um the basic gist of what Jungian psychology is is like that there are it's like often said to be like near mysticism or like associated but like it's kind of um there are energies and archetypes that we interact with that can guide us or lead how we be if we um choose to identify with or like our whole journey of self is how we identify and disidentify with. So um, that's actually really useful for like media where uh, like watching Gridman, like I was just like, holy shit, like this kid, the antagonist Takeshi is just like a real piece of shit. But like, he's totally like, that doesn't happen because of like con like dignifier that happens because he's shitty and like he has bad things happen to him. But He's like very clearly like dealing with narcissism and like grandiosity the way that that's not even like being fostered. That's just being like amplified. And I think like in fiction, like it's really, really interesting to see how that kind of stuff will like come up where like it's like, oh, this kid was hacking a hospital because he couldn't work out the nerve to talk to somebody who was like, oh, hey, sorry for like bumping into you. And then like he got like all of his feelings about like liking for you know and like, like that was like 
really cool too like these teens were teens as hell and grip like holy shit oh yeah for sure and actually that's one of the notes that i made um the very first monster i called him nice guy godzilla um and i felt like it was because like in both the japanese and the american show you kind of had this um I don't want to call it dichotomy because that's not right. Um, you had this very real sense that these guys were speaking out from a place of uh, frustration, from a place of, I don't have control in my life, so this is how I'm going to manifest that control. Um, uh, and I, I don't want to in any way like kind of paint them as good guys or like you know, apologetic in any way because they weren't. I mean, obviously they, in both uh, cases, they very much were aware of what they were doing and, and they were happy with what they were doing. But I felt like it definitely let, lent an insight to this um, this place of being a, a, a teenager who isn't quite aware of your emotions and quite aware of, you know, how your actions affect other people. Um, and yeah. it was definitely like it, it was rooted in a very relatable place for people who look at their life and say, you know, this is how the media says or this is how society says that my life is supposed to go. And, you know, I was nice to her and, you know, she didn't immediately, you know, want to be my girlfriend. So, you know, fuck her and fuck the world. This is, you know, I'm taking everything down, um, which may or may not, you know, be right wrong indifferent but this is kind of just um it it put a really uh harsh light on how people are treated and yeah no um i think um this is like a definitely an interesting thing to have in mind i think as we go to the anime as well because what i really liked um and the reason like that whole like chain of thought and like how the fandom had certain issues and like wasn't like acknowledging like character stuff was like that like the main character naito my first thought was wow he's kind of a shithead yeah yeah no i get that 100 he's like very rude you know but like in like a normal 13 14 year old way where it's like not a problem it's just could be the start of a problem you know it's it's hormones it's it's exactly what you you attribute to that age group it's you know them just figuring themselves out which could or could not be a problem yeah like it's one of those things you don't know until they get a couple of years. with takeshi we see he's alone we see he's very well dressed and like like seems to have some money but like um he's doing evil things and like with naito he's an asshole but he's also like around people and around limitations and like that's reined in and his connection so like when like something evil like comes for takeshi he's like oh okay this is just another way for me to interact with the world on like like grander scale versus like um there's that like willingness to become like Gridman. I, I and like i think like um when we compare like our modern socialized internet way and like it, that sounds different than i mean to but like the way that it's become so social on the internet that that's really interesting too because um how do connect with people becomes really important in Gridman. I'm not sure how much is in this show because we only see like two episodes, but I think it's definitely from every indication on later material in this, like it's like, here's the vastness, here's becoming gigantic within this other world. And here's the ultimate goal is to connect with one person, to connect with those small, like one-to-one things, you know? And like, I think that's like a meta like through line for here's the thread between these various these various bits of like an epic story you know yeah i for being a nice guy and and that's 100 percent personal experience so that's just shit that i have had to go through but i really with these episodes tried to take a more objective view and, and tried to take a step back and i think that that's one thing that this show did well both the japanese and the american version was that if you took the time to look at the context with these guys, you really saw that they were just people who, you know, they weren't great guys. There there was very little redeeming about them, but you could kind of see if you took a couple of extra steps to realize that they were just, they were people who were yeah. looking for some kind of connection. 
and they weren't getting that in everyday life. So, you know, obviously what they did, uh, like, internet-wise and, like, you know, calling forth the bad guy, that wasn't right. But if you have any kind of internet experience, if you've been around even a little bit, you you get it. Like, yeah, everybody has had that instance where they're so fucking lonely that you know they would raise the world just to you know have a human connection so i i on a very base level understood where they were coming from even if there was still that part of me that was like you can go find an incel support group like but (laughs) once again like on a meta level i got it like because that's that's hard like our entire lives are built around a cyber world and if you even in that world can't find a place to fit in. Yeah. You're going to want to raise everything. Of course. Yeah. And like, I think it's like, um, towards like the conversation on like fandom, I think something you've seen in the past, like 10, 15 years is a lot of people get better at, at talking about and being like, Oh, you can love this character and be like, they're a piece of shit. Like, and like you could do like a really interesting story. I think about somebody who's like reprehensible and like maybe like even like a positive or like uplifting story, but like, how that doesn't destroy the world around them or how like other people still go on, like whatever you want to do. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, like I think it's definitely like terrible things, interesting character. We don't need to like want to be our characters, you know? Exactly. I mean, you don't have to put them in a pedestal, but it's not a bad thing either to understand where they're coming. It's like the same people that uh, it's like, even if you aren't a big Toku fan, if you're, if you're listening to this from the same perspective that I'm viewing most things that, that Kip sends my way. Think about it like all the people that are in love with Loki in the MCU universe. Not a good guy. Not someone you want to follow. But, you know, sometimes you kind of get where he's coming from. Yeah. And, like, knowing that, like, oh, it's kind of cool that he hacked the fucking... Like, he hacked, like, a hospital yeah. or, or, like, killed someone. They've got, like, some, yeah. they've got some cool parts. I'm not going to take that away from But, no. um, Let's actually shift a bit towards the american show superhuman samurai cyber squad because like you said um my first thought on sam is like he's a creep holy oh, shit absolutely damn is that that one was hard for me because honestly out of all the characters i was like who here isn't a shitbag it's a hard one like they were all pretty shitty which is like cool because like they're meant to be teens but like i'm not sure how intentional some of that was but like yeah fuck intentionality it's like it, in the text because just damn sam's like trying to find her phone number like then like is like hey when you add your phone number to this number what's your answer oh i'll take your phone like can you imagine maybe it's just like just us now but if you got somebody's phone number what you would do with it you'd be like i'm i'm not gonna use this yeah exactly i'd be like what do you mean texting haven't been invented yet okay well i'll just wait 10 years till it is like i i can't do anything with that i'm too awkward or just like cold calling someone and being like, hey, are you interested in some new kisses? Some new love? <laughs> like, you didn't give me this. I just have it. Yeah. You remember that time I had you do a really, really weird magic trick in the hall? There's no good intro for that. I'm sorry. There just isn't. Yeah. And uh, like, it's like weird too. Because like Malcolm Fink, he's like represented like he's supposed to be like a shittier person than i think the way that like takeshi like his counterpart is like represented but also like he's not doing anything wrong (laughs) so he's like just like i'm upset because this like girl doesn't like me i wish i could do something about it and then like an evil guy shows up says all right versus like the other dude is like not represented like as much as like a bad guy more misunderstood and is just like let's fuck up this hospital it's like it was very funny to me I quite literally wrote in my notes that with the American guy, like, the only difference between them was the fact that he was just more mouthy. Like, with the guy in the Tokyo show, like, he, I think he talked back to the villain, like, maybe twice. And then after that, he was kind of, like, very submissive, very low-key. But in the American version, like, that dude was just, fuck, he was talking shit to him the entire time. He was just like, bring a bitch. Like, from top to bottom, like, he had, as an American, he had no filter, like, the entire time. He was just like, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and that. Like, it was insane to me. I felt like um, Malcolm wasn't as shitty as like um like his like japanese like counterpart but like 
he was represented as more of a shitty person, which like is so weird. But yeah, like you're right. Like it's just like the way they're like talking to and like I guess that like Malcolm had to talk to Tim Curry, which like even not trying Tim Curry brings a lot to this show, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's another thing that I wrote in my notes between Matt Lawrence and Tim Curry. Like, how did this show not explode more than it absolutely did? Like, seriously, Tim Curry. But yeah, I mean, I get it. it it's one of those things that um, these type, types of shows are things that you either like or you. And if you don't like, they're just not going to fly. And American audiences are very so that. I, I could see where that would be a difficult thing to kind of ground. One thing I liked was that um his Pee-wee Herman ass, like his sister that would like send things down like a garbage chute, like and like was voiced by um the same voice actor as like Lil from like Rugrats, like one of the like twins. That's cool. And like I checked and she's just like a character in the whole show, just like talking from this laundry chute <laughs> without ever appearing. That's amazing. I didn't even catch that. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I I know that, like, especially back in the 90s, she did a lot of voices. Like, even on that show, I think she did, like, half of the voices of the characters in Rugrats. No, yeah, probably. But, uh, oh, one more note. A lot of people have physical pictures of this girl, Jen, for no really? reason. Like, it's on the back of, like, Sam's guitar. Malcolm has one. It's like... Why do you have physical, printed out, official? This is before you could get pictures of you know, like it's yeah, not so like you had you're to like work on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I I clearly didn't catch that. My notes are lacking. And like even if like you printed them out, it's like you have to go to a place like a one hour printer and be like, here's a bunch of pictures of my dog and this girl. Like so, like it's like whatever. Like a lot more work. Yeah, I no, I remember having to do that. Like back in. Uh, probably not the nineties, but the early aughts. Um, I had a girlfriend and I distinctly remember because we lived in different States. Like I would have to print out her pictures at a printer to get them, to put them on my closet door. Like uh, show my age, but damn. Yeah. I remember how much trouble that had to be. So yeah, that dude had it bad. One small thing too is, how did no show after this do the Gridman whole thing where they have like an Ultraman style hero and then like a bunch of like Super Sentai like Power Ranger stuff that can combine with? I don't think any show has done that. And it's a pretty simple concept, it seems like. Like mix like the like robots like with like the like dude and make him like have like like some different armor. You'd think, but I do yeah. have a theory on that. Oh, and I, think it's, I think it's because in this show in particular, okay, so. Matt Lawrence was the, like, head dude in the show. Like, he was the cool guy. Um, But he spent the entire show talking about how nerdy it made him that he was part of cyberspace. So maybe that just kind of carried over to the rest of the population. Like, oh, God, cyberspace. That's where all the nerds hang out. In Japan, though, like, how have they not done another Toku series that's just like, here's... yeah. But, I mean, you have to remember how big Joey Lawrence was. So even if Matt Lawrence never, like, quite hit the mark, they were just like, oh, shit, Joey Lawrence's brother thinks that we're nerds for being a part of cyberspace. Oh, not going to do that anymore. I also thought it was, like, a little um, interesting how easy the show must have been to localize. Because, like, with Power Rangers, there was still, like, buildings in the background of some scenes versus this was all set in the digital world that didn't have any, like, landmarks. Like, this was kind of, like, a golden, like, a golden opportunity because, like, like the action scenes are so segregated from the rest of the world. It's like, oh, like, you don't even have to, like, cut out a scene of, like, Tokyo Tower or something, you know? Did you watch um, the very latest um, Godzilla versus... Kong? Yes, thank you. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like they might have, obviously this one's newer, so I, I feel like those shows might have all kind of drawn inspiration where they didn't really um, place those destructive scenes in anywhere that was um, something that you could kind of like geolocate. Yeah, their Hong Kong was very weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some other fun things is that uh, because the characters in the show are like a little older, there's definitely a little... And, like, just the way some things are presented, there's definitely some, like, sexual tension, like, present in ways where it's like, okay, like, 
there's this point where like Sam's at the movies, like with like um the girl Jen and like the way they're talking about like him going to get her like an ice cream and like getting to have the first lick, I was like, maybe they mean this to be about kissing, but it it's very like charged or like uh Yeah, I don't know it was, and I only say that because I actually um took some notes um on the uh Japanese version where uh the building suddenly starts spurting out a whole bunch of white liquid. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, uh, Godzilla comes sidling up from the, um, quote unquote hose that the building was holding on to. There was a lot of things that were a little bit problematic about that. No, people love their, uh, vague leafy things, but, uh, mm-hmm. there's this point too, where, um, Malcolm seems like he's, comforting sam after after like jen's like dumped him and like he catches a daisy that sam has and then like is holding it while he's talking and like um then as like sam walks away like malcolm says who's the big man now and i'm like oh man (laughs) people that have had a field day with like these two like 20 years later (laughs) like who's the big man now like dressed in all black like holding a daisy that's basically bts right Pretty much, yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah. I've never watched BTS, but I'll just assume, yeah, that's right. So one more thing is the fact that Servo isn't a character in the American film. The fact that he has no mouth and he has tons of like scenes of him like gesturing. They could have just easily made him some kind of like mentor or like exposition dump, but they don't. Very weird. I don't. Um, just from the things that you've had me watch and I've compared to my American experiences and and. As I've said before, I one of my few experiences was watching um, the Japanese version of Sailor Moon before it became popularized in American. I have learned that there are a lot of things that um, Japanese media rightly rightly feels like American culture can't comprehend. So yeah, I I, I get that one hundred percent because we don't. I'll, with a lot of things we just don't maybe it would just be too religious seeming or it would be like too weird in some way but like the way that they made like they made like gridman like a character in the japanese show no we can't do that like we just have to have these kids hanging out and like doing band stuff and cool but not not uncool and like they are like as you said like constantly talking down to like uh like the theme of the show or like i don't want to be seen as a nerd mm-hmm. or anything or like all oh, the exactly, stupid watch yeah. like ah come on like at some point we all have something that we're like pretending that this stick is like a sword you know or like we're holding our watch and we're like oh like, this is kind of like ben 10 or something it's unfortunate because i i um because of you know the way our show was kind of focused i only watched the first couple episodes so this might get better in the future. I'm not going to speak to the entire series, but especially in the earlier episodes, it seems like they very much treated um, Matt Lawrence's love interest, Jennifer, like she was a dumbass. Um, but she kind of seemed to have her fingers on the pulse of everything, despite what everybody gave her credit for. So I kind of felt like from the very beginning, and and they might eventually, like I said, I haven't I haven't watched the rest of it. Um, but it kind of seemed like they could have let her in on a lot more than they did because she kind of seemed like the only one of her shit together the entire time. I did like that. She was like, no, fuck you. I'm done with this shit. Like you got me arrested. (laughs) Yeah. Because I, I feel like that was the first time in any show, uh, Toku or otherwise, where the girl really had her like shit in a line because I would be the same way. I got arrested because of sitting in your truck. Fuck you. Fuck everything you stand for. I'm not dealing with this. Like, I, I am too busy. I can't deal with your shit on top of everything else. So, yeah, I like that. You go, Jen. Strongest character so far. Um, So I do need to uh, ask, what do you think about that friend side character who was like making concoctions in his shoes and that kind of stuff? Amp is his name. My goodness. Yeah, I, I was very tempted to continue watching just to see what like his storyline was. Um, but once again, um, after 
I did that with a the common show. I promised myself I wouldn't do that anymore. But yeah, I would like to see what his deal is. Like he seemed like the most interesting character in the show to me at that point. I can give a spoiler warning right now if you like, because I please. Okay, so like I said, not strong wiki pages, but also this might be something that just happened given the fact that like these shows were made so mercenary back in the day. Um, but so all it says is like was seemingly sometimes very intelligent and sometimes very strange midway through the show it's revealed that he's an alien and goes back to his planet with his parents which allows a surfer guy named lucky london to show up and take his place on the team lame as fuck why wouldn't they just let him continue hanging out oh man who's the actor leaving probably but also just like i love that (laughs) had to be an alien couldn't be just had to my favorite part is um Matt Lawrence's character asking him, no, I just want to see if your brother will play bass in our band. And he's like, weird request. After everything he's just named off, like, to me, that was just the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time. I I had a good long laugh over that. I love their, like, very basic costumes for when they're cockpits, too. Just like they're wearing, like, a jacket. Yeah, very early uh, uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah, I enjoyed that. So that's Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. That's related to Gridman. Um, that's all a whole bunch of old stuff. Uh, <laughs> not to whatever it, but um, what we're looking at next as like a lead up. This is actually um, not a live action show. I'm not going to say it's not Toku. I am not going to get into that can of worms. But um, so next thing we're looking at is the first season or the only season of um, SSFS. I believe it's four S's Gridman. Um, so what this is is this is a 2018 anime now remember like these shows came out in like 2000 this is like a good like 20 years after like 22 years after <clears throat> that was really popular when it came out and was um telling a different story different cast for the most part um using the grid man motifs and it's only 12 episodes one season there's a second show out now um that appears to be related but uh not sure not even named the same called SSSS Dinosaur. So yeah, um that is hard next thing is this show. Um it's going to be interesting cuz it's much more coherent. It's a whole thing. Uh we'll get to look at it from start to finish. Um it's a lot of I've already seen it and I could say I think it's rather good, but also uh it's been a minute. So yeah, that's I can't next wait for us. Oh yeah, uh it's like a really strong show. Like, I think it might be right on your wave, but yeah. Uh where can people find you when you're uh, not talking about Toku? <laughs> um, that is very rare. Uh, you can find me on um, Instagram on at nobody much. Uh, I've got a wide open profile. If you follow me, I will most likely follow you back. Um, and then I'm on Twitter on underscore uh, hat sis. Um, it's supposed to be nice hat sis, but Twitter cut me off because they're assholes. Um, Had too much. That, too much. Yes. Gotta cut too you much. Off. Too much. Uh, yeah. So, um, Don't yeah, family, aside kid? from that, I can't think of much. I, uh, I love spending most of my time hanging out with, uh, Kip and Copacetic Senpai. So that is my life. Uh, you guys come hang out with us anytime you want. And that's me. Awesome. Maybe sometime like soon, like we'll uh we'll stretch that like uh like role player slash like improv like brain to like hey let, like let's like make something like that. Honestly, that could be like a fun like streamer like episode. Just like hey, we play like something like that. That's, like, vaguely took th- but huh, I'm down for it. Yeah, no, I just want to uh, make plans soon. But right now, <laughs> there's too much going on. That's my plan. It probably shouldn't work but regardless uh, you can find uh me uh, on twitter.com at james four then for the podcast itself you could find it um on twitter.com and instagram um at common ride with me there's com slash episodes has all of our episodes com slash uh merch has all of our merch and all of the proceeds from that go to the trevor project uh and yeah we would love to hear from you please send in questions to podcast at com. And uh, we are also taking suggestions on things to cover, and we will have some more on that soon. And um, please rate and review us. Primarily, we are looking for people 
on the Apple podcast or like the like iTunes, um, that's the largest chart. That's the one that we can like pay the most like, attention to. And like, uh, we will shout you out on the show as well. But yeah. So Steph, what did we learned today? Um, we learned that actually, weirdly enough, uh, Germany is one of our uh, biggest listening fan bases. So we definitely appreciate that. Aside from that, we learned that don't be a nice guy and try to create a virus on the internet because then we also have to create a not so nice guy to come kick your butt. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's what I really got from these recordings. Um, if I've failed Matt Lawrence, it's on you. Um, so, yeah. Sometimes it takes a nice guy with a butt to stop a bad guy with a butt. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I meant to say. Thank you. 